This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Michael Hand. How you doing, Michael? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here, uh, both at Star Trek and on Eat Sleep Code. This is uh, really exciting for me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Uh, like you said, we're at Star Trek 2017. Uh, we're going to be watching Guardians of the Galaxy 2 tomorrow. Uh, we got a lot of great speakers here, including yourself. Uh, so uh, what is your session about tomorrow, Michael? So... The idea, basically, the, the title is Care and Feeding of Your New Junior Dev. Uh, and the idea is basically, um, eventually, you stick around long enough in this, uh, in this industry, in this career, you'll find yourself not being a junior dev anymore, and there will be junior devs behind you. And not everyone really understands how to approach that, um, how to kind of pick up the people behind you and uh, help them along. So that's kind of the thrust of this is that it's actually something that most people can do. Uh, they don't necessarily realize that. And uh, it's something that most people should do. Okay. So it's some really, really good uh, career advice type stuff, um, soft skills type of a topic. Uh, so before we get into that, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where do you work? What do you do? Yeah. So I'm uh, currently um, working for HMB. They're actually right here in Columbus, uh, so I'm part of the local dev community. It's a very exciting uh, time of year <clears throat> um, to have a, a big conference like this. Um, you know, people come in regionally and from around the country. It's awesome to have right here in our own backyard. Uh, basically, what HMB does is we're a consulting company, so uh, they find clients for us to work at, and we go and we solve their problems. Um, so we have you know, devs of all levels. And what we try to do is bring everyone through the ranks and go out and basically make other companies' lives easier by uh, solving their pain points. Yeah, I have to give a little shout out to H&B because I've been in the area quite a bit, uh, in the Columbus area and in, in Louisville. Uh, so I know quite a few people actually that, that work with you. And the reason I know the people that work with you is because they spend a lot of time in the community. Which yeah, that's amazing. right. So yeah, H&B really is um, a company that supports and encourages interaction, um, both within the company, which is important because generally we work at client sites. So, you know, to get us together every quarter for a mm -hmm. quarterly meeting and, you know, make sure you're in touch with the people you're working with and could be on your next project with, but also getting out and engaging with, uh, you know, the dev community in our city, being part of that. Uh, being present at conferences, you know, hiring from local colleges and all that stuff. Yeah. With that said, you know, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, you're talking about mentoring junior devs in a talk when, you know, several people that I know from your, your company are always in the community trying to support uh, new, new people and teach new things. So let's talk a little bit about the, the talk that you have tomorrow. Um, so kind of how did this come about, this, uh, this whole um, session that you're giving? So, you know, I, I've been doing software for about 10 years, give or take. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not early on in my career anymore. I guess kind of early middle. You know, I got a long way to go. But um, just the idea of when I was starting out, you know, there were, there were people that were there for me. 
and it made a huge difference. And not everyone has that opportunity. I think a lot of entry-level jobs, you know, they're seen as starter jobs, Mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, you work for a little while just to get experience so that you can get the job that you want. Um, So kind of the realization of that, but also, so I've been at H&B just shy of a year now. And one of the unique things about H&B is everybody has a mentor. Um, And most people have mentees. Mm -hmm. So you're usually in the middle of that kind of mentor ladder somewhere. Um, It's it's not just something that H&B encourages. Everyone just gets assigned a mentor. And seeing how, you know, that can kind of make a difference in in the the career path of a junior dev, um, that's definitely something that I'm a, a big proponent and advocate of. And... I think it can really change the course of, uh, of someone's career tra- trajectory in a very positive way. So when you say junior dev, are you talking about people that are coming out of school? Are these folks that are um, uh, interning or have just interned? What's, what's kind of the scope of a junior dev? So I, I don't think it has to be defined super explicitly or formally. I think kind of the general thrust of at least my talk is the idea is maybe you're in an internship or maybe you're just in the first year of your first full-time job, kind of in that range. That's the thrust of what I try to cover in my talk. Uh, Basically, like from the perspective of an entry-level dev, they come in and like, you know, I'm just trying to survive. They're in survival mode, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't know necessarily how to approach like, do I look like I'm getting enough work done? You know, I don't know how office politics work. I'm trying to learn a new project. Maybe I'm even trying to learn a new language. All that kind of stuff that the more seasoned developer, you know, just kind of understands is part of the process, Yeah. right? But an entry-level dev, uh, basically, for the purposes of, of this talk, is someone who doesn't necessarily understand that. They haven't done that before. Probably kind of in the range of, like, you know, first year or so and less. Yeah, office politics alone can be more difficult than any programming language Ab- that you absolutely. learn. Absolutely, yeah. And just to understand, like, who are the important people on your team? You know, mm-hmm. and, like, who are the important people who aren't on your team? You know, who do you talk to when you need to solve XYZ problem? You know, whether it's something as simple as, you know, hey, my PC is locked down and I need to install this, you know, application to be able to, to talk to my database, you know, how do you solve those problems? Uh, you know, your entry-level dev doesn't necessarily know. Sometimes just simply about how do I find the resources that I need to be able to do my job. Yeah, and uh, one thing you might want to watch out for is, like, you don't want some some person that's not your, like, your direct r- report giving you tasks to do, like, things right, like that right, as well. Right, exactly, because you can find yourself doing work that then your direct report comes back and it's like, hey, what have you been working on? <laughs> uh, you shouldn't be working on that. You know, we have we have this deadline coming up that now, you know, we're, we're behind on. It was refactoring Joe's code. He said it needed to be looked at, right? <laughs> exactly. So what, what are some of the other things that you can do to help, you know, the junior devs on your team? Well, I, I want to point out that th- this is something that I think a lot of people, it's easy to fall into the trap um, of saying, like, I think this is something that I'll be ready to do, you know, a year from now. And you find yourself keep saying that. One of the things that I talk about um, in my presentation is, 
I like to point out that obvious things aren't obvious. And uh, kind of one of my favorite examples of this right now, and I give a couple in my talk, is, is like a Rubik's Cube. Um, this is kind of a favorite example of mine because I, I just picked up the Rubik's Cube a couple months ago, and now I can solve a Rubik's Cube. But if you look at a Rubik's Cube and you know how to solve it, it's, it's always obvious what's the next move you should do, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't know how to solve a Rubik's Cube and you pick it up, it makes no sense. So if you have that knowledge, it seems obvious to you. But I think it's a good example because it's clear that knowledge had to be acquired, right? Mm -hmm. Now it's second nature to you. You've done this before. You can do it, you know, kind of on demand, but you had to earn that. You know, you had to develop that experience. And I think a lot of developers don't realize the experience that they do have and can pass on. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that people, you know, it's, it's not part of their day-to-day -day job. It's not writing code. So they think, you know, that, that it's not something that they should be focusing on. But in reality, um, it's, it's very important to build up your team and everyone has something to contribute. So you, you need to realize that there is a ton of knowledge that you can pass on to the people behind you. And that's even if, if you've only been, you know, doing this for a year or so, you're already ready to turn around and start giving back. Yeah, I mean, you think about um, how long some of us have been working with computers in general. Uh, like I've been probably in computers almost 30 years plus now. And the, the little things that you do just kind of uh, by muscle memory, let's say, um, you know, those things aren't as obvious to somebody that's brand new to the field, right? Um, even, you know, stuff like um, what plugins work great in your, your editor, uh, things like that, are just general tips that you wouldn't think of giving because they're just habit. Like, yeah. you know, I have a fresh install, here goes Visual Studio and uh, the Web Essentials plugins, I always install those. It's, you know, second nature for you to just do that. Um, you, your junior dev might need, you know, some pointers in the right direction that might save them boatloads of time just because, you know, they're, they're not in that same habit that you are. That's exactly right. And, and that's the flip side of the coin, right? Is if you're, if you're in a position where you're trying to bring up a junior dev, you can't focus on the hard stuff first. You know, the stuff that's obvious to you is not obvious to them and they need to be exposed to that so that they can get to whatever the hard problem is that you've been working on lately. You know, they, they need to be built up with maybe a new IDE, maybe a new programming language, maybe a new framework, you know, something that they're not familiar with. Um, they learn plenty in school, but some of those day-to-day -day things that you've been doing for a couple years are, are not day-to-day -day for them yet. And, uh, you know, uh, going on the theme of not, uh, you know, pointing out what's not obvious. Uh, what are some of the things that benefit you in doing this for, for a junior dev? Right. So, and I think one of the things that's kind of missed is when you have someone new join your team, but especially when they're entry level, this is a perfect opportunity for you to work on creating the company culture that you want to work in because they haven't been exposed basically to any kind of company culture before. The people who join your team new, but they're mid or senior level, you know, they bring kind of that previous experience with them and those previous ideas, um, and they might work to shape the culture. But if you're imprinting the company culture on someone, they're going to turn around and do that to the next person as well. And 
it won't take too long before that kind of starts to work its way through. And you really have a great chance to influence the future of the company that you're working at by being involved in an entry devs, you know, growth uh, that early on. Uh, but a couple other things that I cover too is, and, and I know this is, this is true for me every time I go through my code, but if you're explaining code to an entry-level dev, you know, there's going to be so many times where you're like, oh, okay, so this is where we kind of hack, had to hack this together, you mm -hmm. know, or uh, I know this comment says this, that's changed since then. So it's actually uh, a great opportunity to kind of find some weaknesses in your code base too. Mm -hmm. Things that are, have kind of been lurking there for a while, maybe some crafty corners that you haven't touched since the last time that you, <laughs> you know, explained the project yeah. to someone who was new and, you know, those kind of areas that don't get touched often, um, you know, and, and they'll ask questions from a fresh set of eyes too. So, um, it's it's an opportunity to improve your code base as well. Yeah, you get a new perspective on things. That's so that's a win for you. You know, you you might they might see a better way of doing something that you don't realize because you've been there for X amount of years or you've been doing it this way for so long uh, that the, you know maybe they learn something or just a past experience of theirs and maybe even just using a different language uh, they might see something. That, that you didn't see before. Right. Plus, typically, um, and obviously this isn't, isn't always the case, but if you're bringing an entry-level dev onto your team, the most common thing is they probably just graduated from college, right? Mm -hmm. Nowadays, maybe they came from a boot camp as well or something, but they were just in a very specific kind of training, um, learning some, in many ways, some very basic things that it's actually easy for more senior developers to forget. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're, you're using the wrong string comparison there. You're comparing string pointers and not the contents of the string, you know. And they can kind of remind you of some of those basics that they've just had hammered into them yeah. for, for the past several months or years. And you haven't necessarily thought about for a while because you haven't been in learning mode. You've been in doing mode. And sometimes you just forget the things that you haven't done for a while, but they've just been tested and quizzed and doing projects on all that kind of stuff and they can kind of bring that refresher knowledge to your team as well do you have any like past experience where you've you've done some of this uh you know supporting junior devs and uh, it's either turned out bad good or indifferent uh so i think one of the things that i want to point out is is a way to have success here is to make sure that you don't get caught in a rut of, of doing what's worked before. I've been on a lot of different teams. Uh, one team that I was on, I was basically the sole senior developer. And we had a guy who was fresh out of college. We had a guy who was fresh out of technical school. And we had a guy who actually did not finish college and he was self-taught. It was a much different experience than, for instance, the team that I'm on now, where we have a pretty even mix of junior developers and more senior developers. And and obviously everyone's everyone's just different. Everyone has a different background, different interests, different personalities. So it's important to realize when someone tells you something that's worked, um, you gotta kind of apply that with a grain of salt and uh, take into account, you know, the exact circumstance that you're working with. So I think that's a good point to make. Um, I, I think we're actually doing very well now. Uh, the team that I'm on 
has a couple entry-level devs and kind of an equal number of more senior folks. So we have a great opportunity to kind of work with them one-on-one -on -one at times and train them up. And um, when you have an entry-level dev that wants to learn, they, they just latch on to that. And they just, you can tell they really just want to grow in their career um, and take it to the next level. And as you're doing that together, you really both benefit uh, because you have different perspectives. I especially like working with people who come from uh, like these code boot camps mm -hmm. because there's a certain diversity that comes from that kind of background um, yeah. as opposed to your more traditional college education. Um, and also, I think there's a certain um, just kind of enthusiasm that comes from someone from that kind of background that's kind of infectious, uh, you know, the, the willingness to go through a program like that, uh, sometimes leave a career and, and uh, take up software development. Um, it's, it's not hard to be inspired by that. Yeah. I remember one year uh, I did an event called Code Palooza. And uh, yeah, I'm from Louisville, so I knew they had a program like that. They have a, um, a program that's by the public works there, and it's called Code Louisville. Uh, so they take people and they, they train them for free. Um, it, it's done through the Louisville Public Library and some other things like Treehouse is involved. And uh, we had 10 tickets to this conference that we, we didn't have a use for. So we donated those to Code Louisville. And watching those people make time to get to the event and attend like every session possible uh, was just inspiring in itself. Like, you know, they're finding babysitters and they're trying to take off of work or working, you know, all night after the event to make up for the time they missed. And, you know, they're just really, really wanting to learn. So, you know, they're doing everything possible to get in there and make take advantage of that free training that was offered. So it's it's good to see the people uh, that really want, you know, to learn and uh, it makes it easy to teach them because you, know, it, you feel like you're, you're getting the investment from your time back, you know, from people that are really appreciative of it. Yeah. I mean, and it's, uh, I think we're really lucky to be in this field. It's very exciting. It's hot right now. And sometimes we need a reminder that seeing, seeing these people come through these programs is, it's just, it's very on point. It really can get you energized, you know, if you've had a bad week or, you know, uh, your code's just not working. Just realize people are are literally taking opportunities like that just to try to be involved in what we're doing. And knowing that you can help them make a better life for themselves is rewarding also. Yeah, it is. Um, so speaking of events, because we're, we're at Trek. Um, is, is that something that you would do with the junior dev? Maybe take them to an event with you and, and do some training that way? Is that, is that a good uh, mode of getting uh, junior devs on board? Yeah, I think it's a very cool opportunity. And one of the things that I talk about is trying to imprint on an entry-level dev that, um, you know, you, you work your job, let's say 40 weeks, you know, standard, uh, things like that. But you should be trying to do something that helps you further, you know, your career. And what I try to encourage people to do is even an hour a week. Um, and, and I say that that's on average. So if you go to an event like Star Trek, 
where you know you're spending all day doing something that'll probably hold you over for a month or so right mm -hmm. an event like that and a, a conference is definitely a great way to get exposure to a lot of different things not all the sessions you go to you might walk away with something that you want to go home and try on your own but you'll get exposure to a lot of different areas mm -hmm. um, or you might find you know a track of several talks in a row of something that you are very interested in but it's it's about expanding your horizons right and conferences obviously are something that i believe in you know being a speaker here at star trek and it's a great opportunity to get it get out and see what's out there especially when you're early on in your career you know you haven't necessarily been exposed to a lot and you don't maybe necessarily know how to start on your own mm -hmm. you know you can go to you know a couple sessions and pick the most interesting thing to you from that day and then try to spend the next several months, you know, doing a project on your own or maybe even meet other people who are interested in, you know, do some collaborative work. Yeah. One, one piece of advice I've given, um, pretty well, wouldn't just say junior devs. This goes for any, anybody that's learning any type of code, even if you're, uh, you know, at a senior level, there's always something new <laughs> that, yes. you know, it's that you don't understand. Um, and that is to go to a session, even if you think it's a billion miles above your head, go to it anyway, listen to it. And I guarantee you like three months down the road, you'll be working on something. You'll go, oh yeah, I remember when I was in that session, this speaker mentioned you can, you know, write the code this way or, or download this thing that'll help. Or, you know, there's going to be a tool or, or a piece of syntax or something that you'll uh, remember. And you'll be, you'll be surprised that how your brain goes back and, and kind of rewinds and and remembers those things that you saw and, and you kind of put the pieces together later when you do understand you know the basic building blocks of whatever was over your head back then right and yeah some of the advice that that i like to give people is if if you're not finding yourself saying oh if i had known this back when i was working on that project you know it would have made things so much easier if you don't find yourself being able to say that, you know, a couple times a year, then you, you need to consider, you know, finding ways to pursue new knowledge <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's it's so common that, you know, there, there's new programming paradigms, new frameworks all the time. And if you're not out there, you know, just even taking a survey of them and seeing like, oh, this would have been a great fit for that problem we had that we really had to hack a workaround for, like, this is the library that would have solved it. Yeah. You know, now you'll have it for next time, right? Yeah. So You pick up a lot of patterns and practices, too, that uh, they may not be part of your, the language that you're writing now, uh, but you'd be surprised at how often uh, a certain pattern will bleed over into another language later on. Uh, you see, like, a lot of uh, MVC and MVVM patterns that .NET developers have been using for quite a while, uh, propping up in the JavaScript space, and uh, you know those things, those patterns aren't exactly new, but they're new to that that space in some ways. Right. So you know you see these things get get churned up in other places, and, and it helps to uh, it helps to know other languages too, and go back and forth to to give yourself different perspective as well. Right. The concepts do tend to bleed over. Like for me, I'm a Java guy. You know, we just got lambdas. You know, and if, if you didn't have like uh, some kind of functional background, you know, maybe you don't care. But mm -hmm. when you realize the power that can come from something like that and to have it exposed now to your language, you know, you're ready to go with it. 
you know, if you're familiar with the idea. Otherwise, you're just like, okay, that's, you know, another tool that I'll put in the back of the shed and <laughs> yeah. let it get dusty. Yeah, and for anybody out there that thinks I was on my, my, my C-sharp high horse or something, talking about things that we had before JavaScript had it, uh, just remember, like, most of this stuff was invented in the 50s anyway, and <laughs> <laughs> everything's old as new again, right? So uh, it's probably all been done before before my generation, so... Uh, Java's just doing it in a more <laughs> verbose way, so uh, it's it's a it's a fun space to be in though. I, I enjoy it, and uh, I enjoy helping other people that are new to it, you know, learn. And uh, another another piece of advice that that I have uh, as a speaker is approach speakers, right? Your speaker as yes. well. Um, we're not uh, we're not above anybody else. We're we're here to actually you know talk to people. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, you know, in, on a stage setting. Um, if you see somebody with a speaker badge on, pull them aside and ask them questions, right? I mean, that's that's absolutely right. And, I mean, generally, they're here because they want to talk to people. And one of the ways that a speaker will do that is by standing in front of an audience and delivering a, a scripted presentation. But for most speakers, I would say, they actually hope that someone will pull them aside afterwards and have a conversation about something that either that they talked about or that is relevant or, you know, just to say, you know, hey, you know, I've, I've seen you speak once or twice. You know, I hope we run into each other again, um, start a conversation, start a relationship. I mean, there's not going to be a speaker out there who's, you know, going to run off the stage right <laughs> after their presentation and, and try to duck anyone who has a question. Not, not, not usually <laughs> I, I suppose you go to enough conferences, there's going to be one, right? But generally the mindset is that, you know, they're, they're here to engage with you. And I mean, I know, like for myself, there, there's nothing special about me. I'm just a guy, you know, who happened to get his abstract, you know, accepted. That's so, right. Yeah. Uh, 99% of the time, speakers are very approachable. And uh, you, can, you can have some really great conversations, which is why I started this podcast. <laughs> Great so I knew I could uh, find speakers that are willing to come uh, like yourself and uh, find yet another platform to talk to people and, and mentor new people and uh, help teach those junior devs. Yeah, that's right. So great stuff. Um, where can uh, we find more information about your talk or yourself? So I, I will be submitting my slides to, I think Star Trek is doing like a GitHub page. Okay. for uh, speaker slide decks or whatever it is. I'll definitely be submitting my slides to that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am uh, underscore secondhand. If you, if you don't put in the underscore, you'll either find there's a, there's a, a used, like a thrift store, and there's <laughs> also a band that are, that are trying to get in on that. Um, well, I'm trying to get in on, on their territory. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, that's one way to reach me. Or, you know, I, I'm, I'm out there at conferences. I go to CodeMash, Star Trek. I'll be going to Codepalooza this year. Excellent. You we'll know, see you there. Find me after my talk. Ask me for a business card, you know, and, and uh, we'll get in contact. There's a lot, of, a lot of great conferences around the Midwest area. Uh, Rust Belt, uh, however you want to put it. Um, Codepalooza is a great one. That's coming up uh, June 7th, I believe. Yeah, I believe and, so. Uh, Just about a month away. Yeah, still tickets available. Some great speakers uh, like yourself are coming. Uh, so come out and uh, see either one of us there. And um, good luck with your session. Oh, thanks. Same to you. Thank you. And thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity.